Hello and welcome to the Renwick Centre podcast. Continuing with our telepractice series, we chat to Helen Tomlinson and Elizabeth Fisher on managing tricky behaviour during your telepractice sessions. Hello and welcome to the Renwick Centre podcast. We have been on hiatus, we had a two-week break, but it's lovely to have you back with us again. My name's Trudy Smith and I am the Manager of Continuing Professional Education at the RIDBC Renwick Centre. Continuing on with our telepractice theme, and it's wonderful to have two really experienced telepractitioners with us. We've got Elizabeth Fisher and Helen Tomlinson. Liz, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, Trudy. Um, so I'm a teacher of the deaf, hard of hearing. That's my background. Um, I've been working with RIDBC for four years up in uh, Darwin, Northern Territory in Australia. So we have a blended service here. We've been offering telepractice the entire time that I've been here at the centre and even prior to me starting. Uh, so we serve kids across the Northern Territory and Australia wide. Uh, so background, so supporting families with um, Auslan as well, Australian Sign Language, and also soon to intend to submit to be a certified um, listening and spoken language specialist. <laughs> Fantastic. And Helen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, hi. I'm also a teacher of the deaf. This is my 10th year with RIDBC. Um, I started off working for remote services based at North Rocks, and I'm now part of the Gosford regional team. I still do a significant amount of uh, remote service delivery, uh, probably 50% remote service, 50% face-to-face. Um, I would say it took me a while to really appreciate remote service delivery, but I absolutely love now the flexibility it gives us and also the empowerment of parents that remote service delivery results in. Fantastic. And we are going to try and cover the topic today that everyone wonders about with telepractice, which is behaviour management. So we're going to run through a couple of scenarios today and, and get your ladies' advice on that. So our first scenario, Helen. There's a family with a young baby. The child with hearing loss doesn't really play and mum's not really engaged with that child with hearing loss. She's really spending a lot of her time with the baby rather with that child. And they're involved mainly in daily routines and it's really hard for a consultant to get the family to engage in any of the activities that you're setting. What advice could you give to somebody in that scenario? Okay, well, to start with, you know, I think it's, it's perfectly reasonable always to say to families when they've got a new baby, do they want a short break in service and not, that they shouldn't feel that they have to continue and not have a break at all. However, at the moment, where a lot of other services aren't being delivered because of our current situation, I think families often feel they, they want to have something, which is very valid as well. So one of the things I would probably say is, is really take advantage of the flexibility of remote service delivery. You don't have to have a session that runs for an hour sitting at a desk with a young child. So I would suggest to the consultant to perhaps think about having um, maybe two shorter sessions during the week, maybe two half hour sessions or even 20 minutes and maybe use some of the, those routine times. The family are probably going to be using a laptop or an iPad for connecting. So that's quite portable. So perhaps look at setting up one of your sessions in the kitchen when they're preparing breakfast and really targeting some of that language that you'd be using in those routine times. And I would say to the, you know, perhaps coach the mum through setting it up well so that you can see what's going on and she can hear you, but really then help her to think about the language that you would be 
introducing or reinforcing at that time, perhaps a listening task, asking the child to go and guess something for you and bringing it back to the table, selecting from a limited choice of things that she might want to um, have her get out for the meal. And then I would follow it up with uh, an email, really sort of going over everything you've said, because obviously in that routine situation, the mum's not in a position to be making notes or to be um, probably not even really focusing on what you're saying. A lot of the time, she's probably got a lot of other things she's thinking about. She's just surviving, yeah. Yes, so you could um, really make sure that you follow that up every time immediately afterwards. So even if you do 20 minutes and then spend 10 minutes writing an email, going over all of the language targets that you've spoken about, and perhaps some other ideas that you've come up with whilst you're watching the family. And, you know, perhaps using um, a number of different routines. So a meal time and when they're dressing the baby or bathing the baby or changing the baby's nappy, all those lovely clothing items and body parts and, you know, all those routine activities or when the, the child with the hearing impairment that you're working with is brushing her teeth and washing hands and face and all of those sort of um, routine activities. And I mean, you could even look at doing maybe a couple of those activities each week and then revisiting them maybe a month later and looking at perhaps trying to move the language targets on a little bit if they've managed to sort of reinforce those um, goals. In I guess that going back to that, it gives the parents permission or a reminder, I guess, that going over this language is actually just as important. It's not a one-time learning experience. It's an ongoing learning experience. Absolutely. And that um, this, you know, I had a similar conversation um, to this with one of my colleagues, and this was a child who's recently had a second cochlear implant. Um, and it's very much about repetition and, and making sure that they hear that language over and over and over so that it really starts to make sense to them. So yes, and we do have different goals at different stages. So in the, you know, immediately following cochlear implant surgery, your goals would be single word level, and then you're moving to sort of phrases and simple sentences, more choices, and you know, two item auditory memory tasks, those sorts of things. So that you are actually increasing the expectation as time goes on, but you can revisit those things. But use the flexibility of remote service delivery that you can connect in at nine in the morning or 12.30 at midday when they're having lunch or even 4.30 when they're getting ready for you know, preparing dinner. You can use those different um, opportunities because you're not getting the family into the centre and they're not having to get in the car and travel. You can just be, use that flexibility, which is one of the, the great things about remote service delivery. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. That's great. Liz, I'm going to hand over to you. We've got a little person who really likes their own toys and really doesn't like the toys that you've sent them and plan to use in the session. Where do you even begin in that scenario? Uh, yes, this has been a bit of um, trial and error for me at the, the beginning of uh, my role here. Um, was yet there were distractions in the room for some clients and about I've learned to be really specific with parents especially in the first session about talking about the distractions in the room and where's an ideal setting um, for the child. Um, however, I think it's also fantastic that we can, you know, you touched on that flexibility, Helen, that we're in the home and to be flexible and to remind ourselves of our role, which is to coach the parents to target the goals in the everyday situation. So also, yeah, to be flexible. Okay, so what toy are they enjoying at the moment? How can we target their goals whilst playing with that toy? Um, and just, you know, giving yourself as a practitioner, therapist, that um, permission to, to be flexible. 
and also have a, a, a um, scenario from this morning, a particular client who is deaf but also has additional needs. And we just allowed her, followed her lead throughout her toys, trying to get that joint attention to then build from there. So it can also be, yeah, you can use it as a tool. The distractions there, we'll not see them as a distraction. Okay, let's just follow her lead and let's see what, what toys she's engaging with. So yeah, so it really depends on the... Sure. So, so I guess as a therapist, as long as you're really sure what your goals are and your targets are, it's really just about being flexible about how you're going to meet them. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right. What about the little ones who don't sit with you and play with their toys? They just do a runner. <laughs> very, this is, can be very common. Uh, yeah, a few, a few tips that have worked um, for myself is trying to engage them back visually um, to the screen. So whether I'm jumping off screen, coming back, um, using the parent to try and change their voice. Oh, wow, what does Liz have if I'm opening and closing a book? So using what you can do to engage them back. Um, but also to be, you know, depending on the age, that it's okay to have a break. You can use that time to have a chat with mum if there's no success in trying to get them back to the screen. Um, or maybe incorporating that into your session, okay? Each session at a particular time, you can go off and get a toy and come back and tell me about it or, um, you know, to give them that bit of freedom as well. That's an interesting idea because that, that, that almost takes the being naughty out of the equation, doesn't it? And that, that thrill of, oh, I'm being naughty and running away. If you've actually set that as a, this is going to be part of the lesson where you run away and get something and bring yes. it back, it takes the kind of the sting and the joy out of it a little bit, doesn't it? It probably might make them more inclined to just sit and get it, get it over <laughs> with. That's true. Could go both ways. Yeah, I like it. Helen, we know that with telepractice, it's, it's, I mean, we're sitting in a podcast today, so it's auditory only, but typically with telepractice, it's auditory and visual. And so the setup is really important where you can see the parent, but you can also see the, the client that you're working with. So how do you manage those parents who just don't seem to be able to get it right in terms of the setup so that you can see and hear the child clearly? Yeah, that can certainly happen. Um, I think one of the important things is sending out the information before you start and perhaps having a, a chance to connect up with the family before you're trying to do a session with them um, so that you can talk about, you know, what, what are the goals, what are you really needing from them in terms of setup and why you need that, why you need to be able to see the child and the parent and the materials you're working with and the importance, obviously, of being able to hear them well. Um, but I think for some families, they, it's not a way they've worked before. It's not how they're thinking particularly. I think some families, obviously, there's a lot going on. They might have a number of children. They're trying to homeschool. They're trying to work from home. Um, and they suddenly remember it's your session and they need to connect. And they haven't given a moment's thought to the setup since last week when you spoke about it. Um, <laughs> So, and I've certainly had the experience where week after week after week, we've got a setup that really isn't ideal. Um, so I do think for some families, it does take some time to adjust to this way of working and to, for that message to sort of actually be in their minds before the second that they connect. I'm quite positive that no families are deliberately sabotaging your session. It's not in any... <laughs> Always think positively first. Yes. Um, they, they want good outcomes for their child as well. They just perhaps don't have any um, real understanding of the impact for you when you can't see and hear clearly. Um, 
I think after mentioning it a couple of times, I would be inclined to offer some technical support from our site. So we've got a couple of wonderful people who are able to dial into the family and who really are very knowledgeable about the technical side of the setup and will be able to help them perhaps to connect their equipment to their TV so that, and, and look at the setting. Um, so that would be one uh, initial step that I'd offer. Um, I think, again, going back to explaining um, the reasons that you need to be able to see well and the limitations for you that you can't really um, evaluate the child's articulation, perhaps, or you can't see where the child's looking. So, what you know, you're asking them something and although they might not be picking up a picture, they might be glancing at it, which tells you that they've seen it. But if you can't see the materials, you don't know that. So you're unable to give them then the feedback that you'd like to give them. Um, sometimes perhaps just taking a screenshot or even a, recording a little bit of the session that you're then able to share with the family and perhaps talk through, this is what I'm seeing and this is why I'm, I'm struggling to know if this is what your child's doing or, or whether it isn't. Um, so, and, and then, you know, sometimes leaving it for a couple of weeks <laughs> if you feel like you've been laboring this point for some time and then revisiting again a couple of weeks later when perhaps they've settle down a bit more into the routine of remote service delivery and the way it works because it is quite different it is there is much more onus on the parents to take responsibility whereas when they come into the center they don't have to think about those things right and all of a sudden they're the ones in charge aren't they of the session because they're next to the child we're not so it is very family centered in terms of the style of practice yes but they're often juggling a lot of other things as well so um but, you know, when they do get it well set up, and most families do, it really works beautifully and, and can be um, a great asset to have other children around that they can call in to, to join the session and things like that. So it can work really nicely. Great. Are there any final thoughts for those, those therapists and teachers who are doing telepractice for the first time, finding behaviour a bit of a challenge? Is there one, one tip or one final thought that you want to leave them with today? I think it's been so so clear on what are your goals and targets and then just being flexible, just let go, okay? So not interested in whatever I might be presenting or whatever toys that we've talked about, activities. Okay, how can I be flexible? Flexibility, keyword. And the benefit of that flexibility also being that you're reinforcing for parents that you can work on these goals and these targets through everyday activities through what they have at home through outings that they're doing as long as you know as Liz says as long as you know your goals you can bring those into any activities you're doing and the, the materials are irrelevant really great advice thank you so much for your time ladies we really appreciate it a big thank you to Helen and Elizabeth for speaking with us today. If you have any questions regarding topics raised in this podcast, be sure to reach out via our Facebook page.